we had these gigantic blueberry bushes in my yard, in the backyard when we were kids. And it was one of the few chores or whatever we had to do that I remember asking my mom, why can I, let me just go weed carrots or something. I, I don't eat blueberries at all. Why do I have to participate in the blueberry picking? Did you say weed carrots? I, I honestly just think it was a way to keep, uh, you know, considering the time period we grew up in, it was just a way of locking kids out of the house. That was a uh, and dandelions for us. The worst, the worst was the weeding, just nonstop weeding. I remember, like in Springfield, where everybody couldn't wait for the weekend. I'm like, can I just stay here? Because it meant I had to work all goddamn weekend. And it's like, what do you do? You hate school? You hate your home life? Where the fuck do you go? Oh, Dungeons and Dragons. That's where you go. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons, comic books, reading. <laughs> Whatever you could get your imagination wrapped around. See, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk about a boogie book, and I'm going to play one. <laughs> This is better off dad with Paul and Steve. We're trying to figure out how to do the right thing when things are hard. And, you know, I was thinking about all that. Like there, there is a certain value in locking the kid out of the house and making him be outside pulling weeds or whatever. I don't know. Builds <laughs> character, I guess. I don't know. Sure. It seems, seems like it. But my new thing is to assume everything that I thought was true. Just assume the opposite's true. Right. <laughs> like the whole, uh, the recent conversation was, you know, 80% of communication is nonverbal. Like I've heard right. that my entire yeah. professional career, right? Yeah. It's like, so that's why you got to be face to face. That's why you got to be in person. And when they sit back across their arms like this, it means that. And when they have their hands on their hips, it means this. And when they make an eye contact, it's like mm -hmm. you got, it's like a whole other language, right? I'm yeah. now just going to assume that's all bullshit. <laughs> uh, I, I think it is to a degree because when I would go to, therapy i would i'd like do like this and i'd be like oh no wait she probably thinks i'm being defensive so i'll do this oh no that's defensive and then so i just would just start doing this at random times not even just <laughs> you know, and i'm sure she was smart enough to figure out i was messing with her but like maybe the person cold or maybe like they don't know what else to do with their arms you know it's kind of uh, well, more when, comfortable yeah yeah exactly <laughs> The um, my fear though is that some of this stuff may be correct, <laughs> and I haven't made my kids do much of anything really. And Andy writes, uh, A. Williams uh, posts the other day about, oh yeah, the military, you know, they have to teach people how to do things because otherwise they'll, you know, take a shit in somebody's van. And I thought, and, and he's like, because their parents didn't teach them how to do anything, and I was like, oh crap. <laughs> <laughs> Better than I'm not saying my kids would go take a shit in somebody's van, but I haven't really taught them how to do many of the things that a boomer would consider necessary life skills. I mean, I mean, their dad did one time take a shit in a sack, so 
That was that was necessary <laughs> and important. That's right. <laughs> That's a life skill. <laughs> that is a life skill. It's not easy either. For those of that, if you haven't heard, <laughs> it was an RV where no solid waste was allowed in in the RV toilet. Well, <clears throat> toilet paper was fine, but not poop. So no pooping in the RV was the rule. <laughs> But I had to go really bad, <laughs> and there was no way I was going to make it anywhere else. So <clears throat> I think I emptied out somebody's extra batteries or something out of their <laughs> grocery. But, you know, the one of those plastic with the handles thing. Mm -hmm, yeah. And uh, I was like, this can't be that hard. <laughs> well, at least it wasn't those, like, plastic bags the stores have today because they wouldn't stand a chance. <laughs> those are all holy. It would just, like, leak out of there. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so you gotta. The trick is you gotta hover, and and the. It's like you know what when I say the Norden bomb site. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. <clears throat> you know, that like that in that show about the Anola Gay. The dude's like looking like through thirty there. seconds over Tokyo. <laughs> yeah, thirty seconds over Tokyo, something like that. You know, and it's like you don't just drop the bomb, and it doesn't just go straight down. You know. <laughs> To hit the city, so you're not like, okay, we're over the city, drop the bomb on them. No, there's wind and there's like trajectory and there's the direction it comes out of the chute and all that. You got to take all that into account, right? So if you're trying to catch a bomb, you don't just hold the bag underneath where you think it would fall out of. You got to hold it where it's going. <laughs> it's like uh, Wayne Gretzky used to say: you don't skate to where the puck is, you skate to where the puck's gonna be. So you don't put the sack where you think it's gonna go. You put or where it is, you put the sack where it's going to go. Anyway, you know, my knees were shaking. My arms got weak. <laughs> <laughs> Mom's spaghetti, all of that stuff. So, anyway. Good thing you went to college. What does, that to do? what does that have to do with parenting? Oh, uh, what does life skills. Do? <laughs> life skills, that's right. <laughs> life skills. No, I... Um, I'm that parent. By the way, ask me anything, uh, folks, because I'm the parent you probably complain about. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have been pretty lenient as a parent uh, when it comes to school, um, especially with the academic part of school. Which is which is insane coming from you, with considering your background. Which is probably why, honestly, I get it. I went. I, those who know me <laughs> know that <laughs> it, the most important thing to, in the world to me was pleasing adults. That sounds weird. <laughs> and also explains a lot. <laughs> Dude, give me a warning. <laughs> I didn't know. Right. I okay. couldn't warn myself. I didn't know I was going to say that. <laughs> you ever just start a sentence? You have no idea where it's going? That's most of my life. <laughs> yeah. I... It was important to me to get the approval of the adults and the authority figures in my life. And mm. I figured out from an early age, one of the ways to do that was to do the work correctly in school. And when you do the work correctly as instructed, it when instructed, you know, on time, as many times as instructed, you end up with A's. And then once you get that A and you get the praise from the parents and the other kids, like, oh, wow, you must be some kind of smart person. You know, you yeah. like, like, well, I wasn't born this way. I'm not, I'm not uh, Lady Gaga, Madonna. Who was it? Lady, Lady Gaga. <laughs> Lady Gaga. Right? I wasn't born smart. We all are born smart. So I should put it that way. Anybody 
who makes their sole aim in life to appease the adults. <laughs> and if you if you have the right neuro, that's the part I was born with, is I was, was born with probably the right uh, neurological whatever that like my mm -hmm. style of learning matched up with the way they were teaching. So we'll put mm -hmm. it that way. That's the part I was born with. You, you uh -huh. and like the only, you, you and maybe one other kid in Springfield Township were born <laughs> that way. Yeah, uh, Billy Sikorsky, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Lisa Thorndike was pretty, pretty up there too. I think we were, you know, anyway, yeah, Billy and I came out of Springfield Township and took the rest of the city by storm because they didn't think anything came out of Springfield Township. <laughs> and, and, and he and, and I and, were just like <laughs> acing every test. And I was like, what is going on? <laughs> I mean, in, in the rest of the world's defense, the rest of the world isn't wrong. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> They're like, what school do you go to? Joy or uh, Queen of All Saints or, <laughs> you know, one of those other places that the rich kids went. Anyway, nope, Springfield Township. They're like, what? Really? Anyway, so I did really well in school. Valedictorian in my high school class. All that stuff, right? Mm. 4.0, grade point average before they had the extra, you know, where you could get higher than a 4.0 is before those yeah. days. I don't know who set that up. Yeah, I probably would have tried to get something even higher. I don't know if I would have been <laughs> successful, but I probably would have, right? <laughs> then I get to college. <laughs> and college for me was like, you know, like you're running full speed and then you don't see that you're about to run through a river <laughs> and it just <laughs> slows you down. Like you're running mm -hmm. like, this is easy. I'm running. This is great. And then suddenly you're like, your feet are caught in quicksand or something mm -hmm. because in college, it's much more difficult <laughs> to do the things and get the grades and all that stuff. Yeah. And I was, I was out of my, my element. College was nothing like high school for me um and i didn't do great and it caused i believe a lot of the anxiety depression stuff that i deal with today oh, yeah. i think goes back to those four years of dealing with becoming thinking i needed to become somebody else to be successful right right yeah. and it all went back to thinking grades were the most important thing um so fast forward to being a dad mm -hmm. <laughs> and from an early age, I told my kids, you know, learn the stuff. You're, there's a lot of great stuff to learn. Mm -hmm. be, be curious, read, read what you like to read, read the yeah. stuff they tell you to read in school because you know, there's, it's a curation. They're, they're giving you the basic stuff that a well-read person, you know, to kill a mockingbird and, uh, that's the only book I can think of. Well, you know, all the good, <laughs> That's all the good ones. Book you need. <laughs> all the good ones, right? <laughs> I mean, she only wrote one book. You only got to read one book. So. <laughs> I I agree with you. I think she only wrote one book. I'm not sure she wrote Go Set a Watchman or whatever that's called. Well, that's what it originally started out as. And mm -hmm. the publisher read it and was like, okay, this is a good book. But this chapter right here, this mm. is your book. Mm. So that's where To Kill a Mockingbird came from. Well, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. The more you learn. I mean, it's the a, more you know. I mean, to, to go set a Watchman is a good book. It really is. But it never would have lasted the way that To Kill a Mockingbird did. Because Mockingbird captured what was going on at that point in time, you know. And that, that's why the publisher was like this. Write this. Hmm. I thought it would have been fun because, um, getting off track for just a second, Mockingbird covered 
essentially the writer as a child. Mm. Okay. Watchmen covered the writer as a, a, a young lady. I would have loved to have had a third book as an old woman. So you'd have, you know, like the maiden, maiden crow thing, get the three stages of this person's life just to see the difference. But alas, it didn't happen. Sort of an epic. Yeah, it would have been a nice little trilogy. Yeah. But when you're uh, when your first book is this the strongest of your trilogy, maybe you don't <laughs> need a trilogy. So yeah, scratch that. Tell that to all of the Hollywood, you know, yeah. <laughs> they make, they have one good movie and then make 18 sequels, right? <laughs> so anyway, so I, I've been talking to the kids for a long time. Learn the stuff, uh, do the best you can, but you know what? The grade, the grade is just it's a number. It's a it measures. And this yeah. is what I've been telling them as they've gotten old. Like when they were young, I would tell them that. Like, I'm not that worried mm-hmm. about your grades. Try to get mm-hmm. good grades. The better grades you get, the more options you'll have later on. But it's not the most important thing. Most important things to me are, as we talked last time, <laughs> your your safety. But I didn't really talk to them about that. I talked to them about one of my jobs is to keep you safe. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you jump off of the sofa onto the floor. Uh, <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> you know. I'm like, I want you to be a person who takes risks and is not afraid to try new things. But one of my jobs is to keep you safe. So it's always a balance, which could be a whole episode. It's always fun when you catch them midair. (laughs) They're about to go out the window. Yeah, right. (laughs) So I want them, one of them to be curious and learn and stuff, but not be too worried about the grade. Right. And then the pandemic comes along. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, everybody's grades, you know, well, everybody, my oldest grades went through the basement. Yeah, same, <laughs> like he, same here. He, he was straight A student with a couple of B's freshman year. Mm-hmm. And you know, like father, like son, right? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I would even talk to him like like he would get bent out of shape. Like, oh, no, I'm not going to get a, a A yeah. in this class. And I'd be like, remember what I've always said, you know, B is great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he would argue with me, right? So I was in that situ- weird situation where grades were important to him, they weren't important to me. And the pandemic happened and things went haywire. Mm-hmm. And that's where it was like, okay, now we're going to have this awkward conversation that says, yes, grades don't matter. And I don't want you to get depressed or anything over your grades. However, <laughs> you have to turn in your work. Yes. Because it, they won't let you out of high school if you yes, yes. don't get at least, you know, C's mm-hmm. and D's, right? So you can't just continue. The grade's not important, but passing is. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yes. That's that's the same boat I'm in. Mm-hmm. Because for my youngest, for his entire school life, on top of the pile, he used mm-hmm. to get sent to the older classes to get books to read. All that. You know, and of course, middle school starts out kind of sketchy in general. Pandemic hits, everything falls apart. And then last year, toward, towards the end of the last school year, his grades went back up where they were before. Mm-hmm. And this year, I'm not making that mistake. This year, I'm like, all I want is because, well, first of all, high school is way different than middle school. All I want is your butt in the seat and just do the work. 
the grade, which I don't put which I don't put emphasis on anymore, because I'm kind of the opposite of you. My problem was my grades were so terrible. I didn't want my kids to have good have good. I wanted them to have good grades, so I, I kind of stressed it a lot. Mm. You know, we learned a lot. We've learned a lot over the pandemic. Everybody has. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you turn in the work, the grade does it. The grade does its. The work does its does its job, yeah. and we're we're pretty much back to where we were. And but there's zero emphasis on grade. There's just emphasis on pass. Yeah, right. So, and um, so that's how we're raising our kids. It could be wrong. <laughs> we reserve the right to be wrong, right? Well, that's the difference because we're 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 over here saying hey, that's how we're doing it. We could be wrong. Yeah. Previous generations like, no, nope, this is the way to do it. We're right. I I also had this thought, and now I can't remember if it was a dream or a thought experiment. I did. <laughs> that happens to me sometimes. I don't know what you're on. (laughs) Fast forward. Yeah. Fast forward 10, 15 years, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the things I think parents think sometimes, and I caught myself doing it, and then I realized, no, that's not how it's going to happen. Because it never happens like this. Like our in our fantasy, right? The kid grows up and they look back and they're famous for some reason. They're being interviewed for some reason. Somebody's asking them about their childhood. And they're going to be like, you know, I didn't understand it at the time, but, you know, my dad really went through a lot for me and he worked his butt off and, you know, he was just so wise and helped me through a lot of difficult situations and helped me see the world and context. And I didn't get it at the time, but I tell you what, I really get it now. And I just really appreciate that. Right. That's our fantasy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In my thought experiment, that's not how it's going to go. Right. How it's going to go is. Yeah, I had a good childhood. Yeah, there were some difficult times. Uh, they're going to be like, do you ever think about how hard your parents worked? And it's going to be like, no, I think they made a lot of mistakes. Um, you know, like every parent, parents make mistakes, right? And yeah, I don't know. I don't really, I don't really think about it that much. I'm just like focused on my life now, right? And then mm. somebody that interview is going to interviewer is going to come to me, and or actually they're going to ask him, how do you think your dad would feel you saying this, right? And his answer, this now this is my fantasy, right? Is that his answer would be, um, I think he probably he'd be okay. You know, he probably did it. He didn't do it like so that someday I would praise him and say what a great dad he was. That's not why he was doing it. So I think he'd right. be fine with me saying, I don't think about it that much. He knows what he did. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't need me to tell him how great he was. Yeah. So I think he's he's fine with that. And then they would come to me and ask me and I'd go, yeah, I'm fine with it. Like I know sounds what about, I did. Oh, sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it sounds about right. I know what I did. I know I made a lot of mistakes and I know I did a lot of good. I know he is who he is today in part because of me, but in larger part because of what he's done. Right? Mm-hmm. So well, I mean, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then they would be like, well, that's weird. Most parents want to hear what a great job they did. And I'm like, yeah, at a deeper level though, we know. Even if they said that, we know that would be for the benefit of the camera, right? Yes. Because <laughs> that's what you're supposed to say. You're supposed to be like, oh, my parents worked so hard. I, we came from nothing and we worked hard and they instilled a work ethic in me. And and I just don't think that's reality <laughs> most no. of the time. No, so, that's, a, uh, that's a script. Yes, exactly. Which reminds me, there, you know, my, uh, my old... <laughs> 
I'm I'm glad my oldest doesn't listen to this because I think he would absolutely hate me using him as a, an example <laughs> and talking about his grades and stuff. He'd be like, "No, people are going to think." Oh. It's like, no. I, first of all, no, they're not really. But okay, sorry. But he doesn't listen. Maybe someday he will, and that's during that interview. He'll be like, "And I didn't realize he was doing that stupid podcast talking about me, and now I'm mad at him for that." <laughs> my life is ruined because of that. you're cool dude you're cool uh so 15 years from now if you're listening to this i still love you (laughs) i loved you then i love you now uh oh we were talking about college applications which he's you know he's he's not going to college right away um Mm -hmm. but he is in like ap english or something where that one of the assignments is write a college essay and you know as if you're applying to college Sure. And uh, so they give them this example essay. Like, here's an example. Uh, and here are the questions. Read read the essay. This was an application to Harvard. And read through the essay and write down the ideas you think the writer was trying to convey and how effective they were at conveying those ideas. And then think about if you were the on the committee that reads these, reads the applications what would you take from this letter the letter was uh so this kid's applying to harvard when i was a little girl my mom and i used to play monopoly and she wouldn't let me win like a lot of parents will let their kids win but she never let me win so i never did win but uh i got mad at first but then my mom taught me that you know you can learn through failure and I would observe her because she would win. I would observe, observe what she's doing, you know, buying the properties and the hotels and buying the houses. By this time, I'm like, yeah, we're aware of how Monopoly works. Okay. You don't have to. <laughs> we, all, we all know how Monopoly works. Right, anyway, thanks she's... for padding the essay with Monopoly rules. <laughs> exactly. Would you copy and paste that out of the <laughs> Parker Brothers website? So she goes, yeah, I learned work ethic and how to learn from your mistakes and failures, not. Failure, failure. Then what? By the and when I was twelve, I won my first game, and it felt so good. And I learned success can come from failure, right? So Eli goes. So my response, the answer to the question is like, if I was on the committee reading this, mm-hmm. my response would be, this is the most patronizing, <laughs> contrived. <laughs> like I'm surprised. Like, are you actually serious <laughs> with this essay? And do you actually think that I'm sitting here reading it, thinking you're serious? Like, oh, learn from your mistakes and failure from failure can come success if you just have the right attitude. And he just ripped this essay a new one. It was just like, I can't believe you would even submit this essay thinking that we would think this is reality. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it's like the the Christmas story. A plus plus. Yeah, plus. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, these this generation of kids are freaking savage and i love it because we would have we would have come up with a completely like cut and paste answer to that essay not this generation yeah this generation would be like that's bullshit we'd be like the way to get an a from this teacher is to give the answer the correct answer that i know is correct i really think this is a bs essay but <laughs> but I know the right answer is learn from your failures and uh, you get back on that. And so 
so we were joking about he he's going to write the essay because it's an assignment and he's talking about he's going to put what he's learned from uh riding horses and one horse in particular and how the horse taught him a lot of stuff and whatever it's going to be great and mm -hmm. i said make sure you put in there like when you fell off that horse <laughs> Your teacher, your instructor told you to get back on. And the thing you learned is when you fall off of your horse, you have to get back on that horse. <laughs> and and make sure that you explain that uh, your your instructor was Tom Hanks. Yes. You know. <laughs> <laughs> or that guy of, from the horse whisperer. Who was that guy? <laughs> Some kind of terrible Ron Kevin Howard feel-good movie. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Oh, God, Kevin Costner. Oh, <laughs> he played a horse. Well, one of the horses that Eli loves is named Rudy. So that was a that was an inspirational movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, yeah hey, Frodo. look, guys! The special needs kid thinks he can play football. Wow, this will be inspirational. Let's let him pretend he's playing, and then it'll, we'll all feel good about ourselves. <laughs> I, Give him a false sense of accomplishment. Yeah, I read an article on ableism recently, and they mm. called that movie out as one of the examples. Yeah, my Atticus hates it just horrible like we thought it was right we thought that was a good thing but it's exactly like what was that sandra bullock one um where she kidnapped that uh, black dude off the street and made him play football blindside blindside that's it yeah the total white savior like yeah. the only way this kid was ever going to make it in life is for some suburban white lady to pick him up off the streets yeah. and and have him do violence uh y yes in sport you know have him do some violent teach because that's all he's good for is violence and mm. it's just like oh my god anyway we're off of parenting now i'm back on parenting has that. taught me that stuff though i mean <laughs> yes it's like having kids that caused me to like get interested in that stuff like my kids have neurodivergent friends and stuff and mm. uh just have talked to me about it and like what they're like and they're like it's like you and i've talked when we were in school mm -hmm. we just called them the weird kids right and mm -hmm. We, we were accepting of everybody and they just mm -hmm. found their way to us and to D and D and mm -hmm. just being our friends and us being their friends. Right. Yeah. And now I know I look back on it. I'm like, wow, like that was a, that was a thing we just didn't know about. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? Yesterday, usually Max's mom picks him up after school but yesterday. She couldn't. So we went and got him and standing out, he's standing out there waiting for the, you know, Wait, waiting where all the parents pull up, you know. Well, we got there really early. So I basically got out of the car and snuck up around, you know, and basically jump scared him. Mm. Well, he's he's there hanging out with his kids. Now, now the, this group has only been together for a couple of days. Like, I think school's only been like two and a half weeks. And jibber-jabbering with, you know, the new kids and stuff. I get in the car and I'm like, you know, kids today are so much better. School is so much better than it was when we were kids. <laughs> because, yeah, you still had those, you know, like the tall jock people, you know, and they all, they're all cookie cutters. They all yeah. look the same. Yeah. But then there's this mass of just what would have been different back then. Yeah. It's like, damn, I mean, as much as <laughs> I don't want to live vicariously through my kids at all, but it I guess so I guess it's nice to know that that's where we're at. 
the uh, speaking of living vicariously and how much different our lives could have been, um, <laughs> the the dungeon master at the D and D club. He's graduated now, but mm. he was he was a couple years older. But mm -hmm. his name his name is Isaac, and everybody loves Isaac. Mm. Like he's he was he would have been like the like a more realistic version of Eddie Munson from uh, Stranger Things, yeah. right? He's yeah. a little bit older. He's got the long hair, you know, good looking. Everybody loved him. The boys and the girls loved mm -hmm. this guy, and the non-binaries loved this guy, right? Mm -hmm. And I because he was the coolest. And I'm like, what? Yeah, where was that when we? You know, we didn't yes. have that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's, but by the same token, you 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 want to celebrate that with them. It's like yes, you have you or or you know, if I want to be like sarcastic about it, it's like well, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. We blazed yeah. the trail for you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> if we're gonna be sarcastic, I'm gonna say um, we had it hard. Then it was really difficult for us. I don't think it's fair that the weird kids don't have it difficult today. I think they should be bullied and uh, made to feel different and terrible, just like we were. Because we <laughs> suffered, they should have to suffer too. <laughs> right? It's just not fair for them not to suffer. Uh, my kids would have lost interest in the things coming out of my mouth at that point. <laughs> that was too long. <laughs> You're welcome. Just works. So, You're so welcome. It's <laughs> just so much more succinct. <laughs> Oh yes, yes, yes. So that's uh, that's my take on. I, I, so here's what. Back to grades. So mm -hmm. so what are grades then? And I I've explained this to my kids, and if it comes back to bite me, it won't come back to bite me. It'll come back to bite them. Um, then so be it. But I 100% believe that what a grade measures, and not just a grade, but standardized test, what it measures is compliance. Mm -hmm. And show me a student with an A and I'll show you that they complied with instructions, right? Yeah. There is the rare student. <laughs> Maybe they're not that rare, but if they are good at writing, say it's an English class or a composition class and they're really good at writing, right? Mm -hmm. And they have an A, those two are mutually exclusive. You got the A by being compliant. Yeah. You, yeah. you became yes. a good writer by being interested and curious and practicing. Yes. <laughs> Um, and I think that's how our schools are still built. I think they're still built to turn out compliant. And if you look how they're run, they hire, uh, pol for, you know, retired police, sometimes off duty police, uh, firefighters, you know, just all these first responder types who are like on a hair trigger and mm. probably were in the military and their whole mindset is any one of these students is going to crack and do something they're not supposed to at any given moment if I don't keep control of them. Like a prison, and I say this all the time, they run schools, like I'm, and I'm not talking about the teachers necessarily, I'm talking about the other staff, the people yeah, that roam yeah. the halls, and if you're not right where you're supposed to be, like we even joke, like it's, it's always, where are you supposed to be? Like they're always asking them where they're supposed to be. And I'm like, your answer should be like, right here, where are you supposed to be? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, my son has a love-hate relationship with uh, the school administration. The principal loves him. The security guys don't. Because, <laughs> you know, he doesn't fit their cookie-cutter version of what a, you know, 
what a high school student should be. So he's trouble. You know, he's gonna, he's a troublemaker. Why why would you even worry about what the the hall monitor guy thinks about you when he's just the hall mo- that's his life. He's the hall monitor guy. He's the hall monitor. He's yeah, he probably was the guy that checked and made sure people had their passes, you know, when they were kids. But 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 here's here's my point on this one is and I was I was trying to make this point with Jim McLean, uh, uh beloved um comic artist and math teacher. Um, <laughs> so he knows way more about this than I do. And we'll have him on someday because we keep threatening to do it. But we'll have him on to talk about some of this stuff. Is at, from a parent's perspective, uh, not a teacher's. So I'm sure teachers have completely different perspective, right? You take 3,000 kids <laughs> with raging hormones, all different ages, Mm-hmm. throw them into the same building, run that building like a prison, <laughs> you know, and literally have them so packed in there that they can't move. The other day he was telling me a fight broke out in the middle of a traffic jam. And like, literally there was almost a trample event, right? Mm-hmm. Cause there's mm-hmm. so many people and the way you run it is through compliance and discipline as if you're running a prison. Like everybody's got to be a certain place at a certain time. Nobody has any autonomy or agency, right? And then you put them out onto society where they're, you know, now what do you expect is going to (laughs) happen? You know, (laughs) this is how, and by the way, a lot of the kids, you know, they don't have necessarily stable home environments, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So they got a lot of stuff going on and you're not addressing their needs in the way they need to be addressed. Right. This is the moment when a boomer would be like, well, what would you do differently? How would you (laughs) fix it? What's your idea for fixing it? That's code for that's that that for them is code for. But I'm not going to (laughs) listen. My answer is that my answer to that is, what are you asking me for? Didn't you go to school for this? Isn't this your career? Aren't you interested enough? Aren't there books written? Aren't there studies? Aren't there conferences you can go to it's not it's it's kind of like uh, i had my eyes open when i was talking to somebody about bullying and they said well what is their bullying policy like what is their anti-bullying policy i was like it's a good question i don't know she's like you should ask them that like because i was like what can we tell them to do differently how can we tell them you know what can we tell and she's like that's not your job it's not your job to figure out like how they should be doing their job so that mm-hmm. to your point, that whole question of, well, what would you do differently? A, that means they're not going to listen. Mm-hmm. But B, it means they're just abdicating and going, we can't think this is how we've always done it. We're not yeah. going to bother trying to do it differently or do it a better way. And so we're brushing you off, basically saying there is no other way. This is the only way. And nobody's ever thought of a better way to do it ever anywhere. <laughs> it's, <laughs> and it's policy. Yeah, it's policy. <laughs> the P word. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, well, it's your job. <laughs> to f- yeah. It'd be like if you came to me, like I, you know, we provide management consulting services, right? Mm-hmm. And if they came to me and said, hey, that project was late. Uh, maybe you should try a different way of managing projects so that they're not late. And mm-hmm. I'd go, well, how would you manage that project in the highly regulated pharmaceutical industry? <laughs> Math teacher, how would you manage that project differently? And they're like, I'm not a project manager. I don't work in the highly regulated pharmaceutical industry. Why am I supposed to give you the answer to how to do it better? Right? I'm just telling right, you right. the results indicate 
you should find a better way to do it, right? Mm -hmm. So, but other than that, though, I haven't really given it a lot of thought. <laughs> I, I can tell you really you need to take a take a little while. Yeah. <laughs> don't just don't just come out of nowhere, you know, flying by the seat of your pants <laughs> with these answers, right? <laughs> I love the compliance idea. I'm gonna have to use that one. I I didn't I, I have I haven't really thought of it in that sense, but yeah, that you're you're that's a hundred percent accurate. Here's my nutshell uh history of public education in the United States, possibly other industrialized economies as well. There wasn't any, you know, until the Industrial Revolution. Right. And then, you know, you got all these factory workers and the industry looked and said, we're having to teach them, you know, it's like, what do you, what do you got to have to be a good factory worker? Well, you got to be able to follow instructions, normally written instructions. So you got to be able mm -hmm. to read. Mm -hmm. You've got to be able to write down your amount you made and, you know, how the machine was set up, all that. So you got to be able to write and you got to be able to do some basic calculations. So when you set the machine up or, you know, set the speed up to do certain things. Like you gotta be able to do some basic math. Mm -hmm. Nobody could read, nobody could write, and nobody knew how to do basic math, right? Mm -hmm. So they said, basically industry got together and said, we've got to do something about this. So the first public schools were set up and funded and, you know, inclusion with the government were set up and funded by these major industries. Cause they said, no one like Henry Ford isn't going to go set up a school because he doesn't know who's going to work at Ford. Right. Right. We don't know where they're going to work, but we just know. So let's get the government to set up these schools, right. To teach reading, writing, basic math. Uh, so, the, and how to follow instructions so that by the time people graduate from public school, they will be compliant and they will know some basic reading, writing and arithmetic. Mm -hmm. They'll be where they're supposed to be, when they're supposed to be. They won't be anyplace else. They won't ask questions. They'll just follow the instructions as written. They won't have to think about a thing. And they'll jump when the bell rings. So then the question might have been, well, but, okay, that's fine for factory workers, but what about, don't we still need doctors and lawyers and executives at factories and people inventing new things? Yeah, 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 yeah. They're not going to those schools. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> They're going to go to the classical school, you know, the classical way that we all we've always educated our privileged white, you know, rich class. Right. Yeah. We're, we're going to keep we're fine with that. We're trying to educate the masses. Right. Mm -hmm. And so now public school becomes that the privileged class gets to continue with their. Thing, because, you know, they're better people, right? Mm -hmm. Genetically better people. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Um, OK, so that's. Well, over 100 years ago. It's like mm. 120, 130 years ago. Yeah. And that whole system just got a ratchet and a, a momentum of its own. And that is the system we've grown. Yeah. And so now when you, when you look at a school and go, why is it that they're so big on showing up on time, being in your classroom at the right time, turning in your assignment on time, and if you don't, you get punished and... All they seem to really care about is reading, writing, math, and they've added in science, right? Because mm -hmm. now you need to know, you might need to know some chemistry or physics to be a good compliant office worker, right? The problem is the needs of our society have changed 
tremendously. We don't just need compliant factory workers who can read, write, and do math, right? We need mm-hmm. people who can think, can reason, have critical thinking mm-hmm. skills, and uh, maybe know some history, maybe know some, you know, some philosophy, maybe be able to write more than just, you know, basic instructions. But the school system hasn't kept up with it. I think they've tried. There's been different things they've tried to do to mm-hmm. improve on that. One of them was in the 50s, uh, late you know, 50s, 60s, when the United States realized um, that the Soviet Union was uh, out, you know, through espionage and other means, um, was beating us in the space race. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. And, and it's not just getting to the moon. It's not just putting satellites in orbit. It's being able to send a payload of a thermonuclear, you know, device <laughs> within 20 minutes from Moscow to Washington, right? <laughs> yeah. So they said, we better catch up. We're going to need a lot of engineers, a lot of aerospace type and people who can calculate uh, the fuel it takes and the trajectory and get a thing up into space and back down on, you know, from Washington to Mon- or from Kansas to, you know, Kiev and uh, from Kansas to Kiev and, and uh, from Kansas to Kiev, a memoir by Steve Vincent. <laughs> I was going to say, that has, that, that's got a title. There's a title opening there. <laughs> uh, or as we say now, Kiev. Yes. Uh, so what they did is they, it's what, um, Forget if it was Radio Lab or Freakonomics, probably the Freakonomics guy. You know, they created what he calls the geometry sandwich. So it's algebra followed by geometry, mm. followed by algebra two, followed by trigonometry, and then calculus. So it's a geometry sandwich, and then you've got algebra, geometry in the middle, another algebra is the other slice of bread, trigonometry, which is really like advanced geometry, and then calculus. Uh, they did that. So that they could get more engineers, more aerospace engineers. And now I look at it, I'm like, that's exactly like the the mainstream normal, like normal kind. That's exactly the math track you get on. Yeah. You know, still. Yeah. You were saying you when you were reading those off, I'm like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Because that's a, all my kids went through all that same stuff. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but as soon as they figure out, no, you're not college material, it's like, oh, you can stop it geometry you can stop at whatever right yeah, yeah and we'll we'll just give you basic math because you know you're going to be a compliant factor so that's where the whole compliance thing comes from that's and it's going to take i don't know what it's going to take but you know like me jumping up and down and screaming is not going to do anything it's got to happen at a systemic level and you know each teacher like i'm sure millions of teachers feel the same way you know it's like i i didn't imagine myself being you know in charge of measuring compliance and now <laughs> you know i've got i've got 30 40 kids in a classroom and uh, you know they're getting in fights all the time i don't have time to innovate and i can't innovate i got to do what the administration told me to. the state we got state legislatures who can barely think their way out of a wet paper bag writing curriculum for schools and passing it as you know thou shalt teach this that's we had that whole pe conversation which we'll we'll get into <laughs> probably in a future episode but yeah. the reason you have to take physical education is somehow Indiana state legislators decided, not teachers, not academic experts, not child development experts, people whose only skill is getting themselves elected, decided Mm -hmm. that that needed to be a law. 
I always took it as with with the whole PE thing real quick. I always thought PE was just like, well, what can we do the cheapest? How much <laughs> ball? How much are balls? Well, 99 cents. All right, that's a thing now. That's a class. That's how I always I always assume I, I always follow the money with stuff. So I just assume that's why PE became such a big thing. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they decided. I think maybe I bet if we looked into the history of it, we'd discover this is my my hypothesis. Having done no research, we would probably <laughs> discover <clears throat> at some point in the past um, <clears throat> there was probably a bunch of stuff in the news about childhood obesity. Um, kids these days aren't as athletic as their parents' generation. Yeah. Maybe there's a military aspect, like uh, the military's going, yeah, these kids are showing up you know, with zero muscle mass, not knowing how to exercise. And so somebody said, we got to do something about this. Let's require physical education in school. And well, you can't just say physical education, otherwise people will cheat. So we got to be very prescriptive, you know? And if you look at the, the state requirement, because I did, okay. you look <laughs> at the state requirement, it's very specific. It's like the student will be able to do this, 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 and this, you know? It's like, wow, that's very prescriptive. I mean, how many so, board meetings do you think happened to like, is it, is it going to be 10 push-ups or 12 push-ups? <laughs> I wanted 11. No, no, that's not enough. I wanted 13. No, 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 nine. No. Like how long did that meeting go on? Right. <laughs> By a bunch of guys that can't do five push-ups. Yes, exactly. Well, they can't reach the ground. They're like T-Rex trying to do push-ups, right? <laughs> like I can't touch the ground. My chest is too big. Anyway. All right. Well, I don't know. We're going to do better than that. That's school. This has been about schools and academics and uh, trying to do the right thing when things are hard because we are better off dad with Paul and Steve and it shouldn't be this hard, you know? Yeah. Nope. <laughs>